Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. MTV Breaks is a platform that helps young people break into creative industry careers because we know how hard it can be to get your foot in the door. This podcast was recorded live at MTV Music Week in Plymouth, where we hosted four days of MTV Breaks career panel talks. Whether you're interested in building your own brand and social media following from scratch or leading the creative of a signature television show, our creative industry insiders are here to help as they reveal their top tips on how to play the game and get the edge and bag that dream career. You go to play these big gigs and the highs, literally, you come off stage feeling like a million dollars. There is no balance. It's almost impossible to keep a hold on it. To be honest, I'm like thinking about it now, I don't know how I've lasted this long. <laughs> In this panel, hosted by me, Becca Dudley, Assistant Manager at Red Light Management, Danny Angove, Head of Health and Welfare at Health Musicians UK, Joe Hastings, musician and activist, Pete Falloon, and DJ producers, Rewire and Barsky, discuss the links between mental health and music. So hello everybody and welcome to State of Mind. Um, I think today is a very important chat. We've spoken all week about music, um, but today we're going to delve a little bit deeper into mental health within the music industry. Um, I think it is very relevant today um, and we're hearing more and more young people come forward and talk about their mental health issues and a lot of Research and studies have shown that people within the music industry and creative industries are particularly really struggling. So I guess today we just want to talk to some people who are in the industry, find out why that is a thing, um, how and what we can do to help and support these artists that are struggling. So um, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm Becca Dudley. I am a TV and radio presenter. Um, and I think let's go down the line and let's introduce everybody. If everyone can say their name, what they do and just a little bit of a blurb about your job, if that's all right. Um, hi, so I'm Pete Falloon. I'm a singer-songwriter, and I also co-run a music and mental health project called Sound Mind Sessions. Hi, I'm Joe Hastings. I'm the head of Health and Welfare at Help Musicians UK. Uh, we are a charity that support musicians throughout their lives. Hi, I'm all as loud. <laughs> I'm Danny Angove, and I work for Red Light Management, where I work with artists including Rye X, Jens Kuros, where West, Nick Warren, and a host of others. I also run a music website called One on One, uh, where I interview, review, shout about music that I like, because I think people like it too. It's just a bit. Hi, I'm, I'm Ravi, uh, also known as Varsky. I'm a DJ, music producer, um, entertainer kind of guy. I feel bad because these guys gave a massive run up of what they do. And He's this... big on the gram as well, isn't a he? Massive He's on the gram. Big... Big grammar. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Uh, my name's Rewire. Cam, to those who know me personally, uh, I'm a DJ producer. Uh, I work very closely with MTV. Um, yeah, that's that's about me in a nutshell. Cool. So it's nice to have sort of lots of different roles within the music industry, but also really focusing in on. We're going to talk about mental health. That is what today is about. Um, so, Joe, can you? 
just to kind of kick things off, tell us what could be some factors that contribute to bad mental health? I mean, in, in general, I think the, 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 the main issue for the people that we work with, uh, so I'll start there, is, um, is, is usually a, um, a kind of lack of balance. So people working in music are often um, in working in quite challenging environments. They're working on schedules which can be really vary, like can vary from day to day, from hour to hour. You know, they're working in very different environments from day to day. They're doing, they're moving about a lot. There, um, there are these sort of massive highs, and then there are some uh, quite low periods. People are, are often performing in front of big crowds, and then um, and then uh, going back to a hotel room on their own. Or, um, and all of these factors obviously uh, contribute to, um, to to kind of it being difficult to maintain balance with 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 and main, maintaining kind of well-being because because all of these things are so up and down so that, i mean that's one of the most common issues we see when people apply to us um, is that there's a lack of kind of um, a, of balance with their lives with their personal lives with their family lives but also i think um it's not something that happens in isolation. So mental health isn't something that exists in this sort of vacuum. If anything can impact on mental health, and obviously one of the major factors that probably a lot of people in music will experience at some point is um, the, the sort of financial challenges of being a musician. It's not, um, it's, it never has been, but it's certainly not an industry that's, that, that, that's particularly easy um, uh, to kind of manage in terms of your welfare and your finances. So that can, that can impact any kind of physical health issues can impact on your mental health. You know, there are so many things that are factors in it and it's very rare that someone someone applies to the charity to the to the charity or speaks to the mental health support line that we set up with a um, with just a single issue so how does your support system work then do you artists come to you and get in touch and say hey i need some i need some support <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's an old charity. It's an old benevolent charity, and benevolent charities used to be places where um, people who uh, who had an, experienced a challenge in a certain industry could apply for some help um, outside of sort of state assistance. Um, but it's changed over the last five years. It's changed dramatically. So we did we've been doing loads of research um, and developing much more insightful kind of knowledge of what the issues are in music. Um, and about five years ago, we did this big health and wellbeing survey. Which sort of highlighted four big areas of kind of um, that where musicians were experiencing challenges. So hearing health, vocal health, musculoskeletal injuries, so physiological injuries, and this sort of massive area of mental health, and which in includes so many different things, obviously. Um, so that was that kind of was a kind of call to action for us to try and change how we were working because we were supporting musicians and doing really really good work. But it was only when, if you knew about us and when something became a crisis and what we wanted to try and do was start to alleviate some of the issues at the, at the root. So the Hearing Health Scheme was the first example of that where we started, um, we built a scheme around a preventative intervention. So if you're a musician and you're, you can prove that you're on some level earning money from music, you can access um, attenuating hearing protection so you can get a pair of molded uh, plugs and you can get a, a music specialist audiological assessment. So the idea was give, give every musician something that will reduce the potential for the impact of hearing health to be damaged, which also causes problems with mental health as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I've well, talked a lot, sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's what you're here for. Uh, well, we actually have some musicians DJs and producers in the house, so I feel like we have to turn to you, Rasky and Rewire. I mean, what are your experiences with I mental health? I literally feel like that's resonated with me so much. 
like everything you said um you know like being a dj in in you know there's two things there's a dj and a producer but predominantly i'm a dj and you know you go to play these big gigs like you said and um the high is literally skyrocket high you, you come off stage feeling like a million dollars like it was the best thing in the world and it there is no balance and it is very difficult especially when you're sleep deprived as well um mm. and then if you were to add drink and anything else to it it's it's almost impossible to keep a hold on it um to be honest i'm like thinking about it now i don't know how i've lasted this like <laughs> this long so how do you keep a balance? Because you're still here <laughs> and you're, um, you know, you're to, doing to all right. To be honest, like, I, was, I was trying to think as I was speaking, like, what is the answer to it? I don't know. Like, What do you do when you come off stage? You go to your hotel room and it's like... I just try you. now to unwind. I try to, I, to, to not let it be such a steep drop. Uh, I try to unwind with, you know, just casually maybe like watching uh, something on Netflix or, or MTV. <laughs> you know, like, so, uh, so you know, just sort of sit there, and not you know, like not go over things too much, because yeah. often, you know, as a performer, you'll you'll come off stage and you'll be overanalyzing everything that happened, and you know, it, it can drive you mad, literally. Like, oh, I wish I'd done this better, or you know, I mean, I've I've done some absolute bloopers, <laughs> but you know like you can't you can't dwell on them you just sort of have to get past so yeah i just try to unwind with maybe like a a tv program or something and just gradually oh sorry i will say actually i do know something that does help i i go to the gym mm. and it even though i don't want to sometimes when i'm there it it definitely gets my mind in a much much better place yeah, I, I think that's something for me, actually, that in, in stabilise, you know, and just keeping you on the level that I'd similarly, when I, we, I, I go to the gym or go running out in the wild and stuff, if I don't do that, then I find over a period of time, things just start to get, you know, things that are difficult just start to overtake you a bit. You know, it's not, it's not easy with, it, with all that. But yeah, you're completely right. That up and down is very hard to manage. And sometimes, you know, I come back after a gig or something, my wife would say, you know, you're going to have to stay up for a while because you're too, you're like buzzing, you're like completely, you know, and that adrenaline, it's still like in your system and you just, yeah, you can, you can sit there and have a drink, but, you know, you keep doing that. It's, it's not sustainable. Yeah, you have to find job. more holistic ways, but yeah. No. But I mean, I've, exercise has been scientifically proven to help mental health. So that's the first thing I feel like everyone should be doing. I find I have the exact same thing as you, like, whether it be DJing or presenting, it's that coming back and then having to wind down and going over every little thing that had just happened, you know? Um, and I have a, an app called Calm. Oh, swear by it, swear by it. A few people are nodding in the audience, but like, it just brings you down. It's all just about like listening to your breath and focusing on your breath rather than anything else. And it regrounds you. So just recommend that, yeah, BT dubs. Basically, um, um, up until like last year, we we've been touring together like inseparable for five six years. He's one example of how to do it. I'm the example of how not to operate. Why? Um, I was diagnosed with depression in 2010. Um, I never addressed it, and that was you know there's various reasons. 
I didn't really have a, uh, a support circle coming from an Asian family. Depression never existed. So for me, it was always like, okay, whatever it is, our managers are back. And at this point, I wasn't even on road. We weren't touring the world or anything like that. I was just DJing in Leicester. And even then it was getting, to the, it was getting on top of me. Like, even on a high from DJing in a small club and coming down, I couldn't tolerate that. And that's when my drug abuse came in. And uh, I mean, yeah, this is getting deep, guys. I'm gonna try and try not to go too deep. Um, go deep, I feel like this is what it's all about. That's a great song by Janet Jackson. Um, <laughs> we, so basically for maybe three and a half, four years, um, if to give you a little um, uh, a timeline as well, in 2010 is when I started uh, delving into drugs. Uh, looking back now, being clean and sober for many, many years, it was because I didn't know how to, that, that high coming off, I wanted to carry that on. Mm. And, and doing very, very stupid things like drugs was one way of it just carrying on and carrying on. And I just, I just kept doing it. And, and it goes to show the, the lack of mental strength that I had compared to this guy here. This guy is like Rocky Balboa right here. Um, <laughs> I didn't have that strength and I didn't have, I didn't have the knowledge of how, what weaknesses my mind had and how to train it and how to seek help. So then in 2011, we embarked on a tour with a uh, Ministry of Sound. And this is when we started going up and down the country. And this is when it got even worse because then we went on to big stages. Well, you know, relatively big stages. We were on stage together, we were performing. Um, I was out on the front and I was all energy, blah, blah, blah. And then it got even worse because I didn't, first I didn't even know how to deal with the come down of a normal night. And then it got to a point where it just, I was literally on drugs all the time. And mm. my mental state went wrong. I became a different person. I lost myself, I lost my family. It was a very, very dark time. Um, there were bright sparks in there that kept me going, like, like the guy next to me here. Like, you know, there'd be times where he'd give me a, a stern little look and be like, listen, Rav, like, what, Sorry, what, what the F, man? And, and you know, it, it did resonate. Um, so then um, about three and a half years went and that's when I really started to address the problems that I have mentally. Um, and that's when I started to, not, you never win the battle of depression, it's a daily battle and it's about winning every day. And it's, you're never gonna win 100% of the time. Uh, for those of you who suffer with depression, no, you're never gonna win every day. But it's about winning most days. And it's about knowing what to do on the days that you lose. Uh, for example, um, there's anchors, mental anchors, which I was taught by um, a very good counselor who I owe so much to. Anchors that you have in your normal life. For, for example, with me, I'm Ravi, and on stage, I'm Varsky. Before, there were two different people. Why do they have to be two different people? Why can't they just be the same person? And that's what I struggled with. Like, no, I'm Vasky, I'm on stage, I've got this thing, yeah, rah. Why? I'm Ravi at home. Yeah. I'm an Indian lad from Leicester who likes to do normal things, like watch wrestling. Okay, that's not normal. <laughs> but I, I know I like to play football, I like to watch films, um, and I like to do normal, I like to eat food. Like, why can't I be that guy on stage? And it was that realization process, and it, it took up until about 2016, 2017, for that journey for me to realize merging the two people and eliminating all the negativity that came with this persona that I thought I should be. It wasn't even, I was never told to be this guy. I thought it was like I should be this guy because I didn't know any better. So it was that merging of the two personalities to be, just make it me again. And looking back now, uh, it, it was a really like, it's been a long journey and I'm so grateful. I, don't, I wouldn't change it for the world because I am here today and the man I am today is because of it. But 
the the actual realizing what, for example, like earlier on you, you asked, what do you do to cool down? I'm as you can tell, I've never really been a avid gym goer. I do enjoy the gym, but you know, I enjoy food. But um, my anchor, my anchor that held me down, and that's what counselors always say: find an anchor that will ground you, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are. Find that one anchor, and my anchor was podcasts. Um, I love listening to podcasts. I started my own podcast, um, and. It's always, it sounds really silly, but it's wrestling podcasts. I love listening to different really? wrestling podcasts from around the world, England, America, Germany. And like, if you, if you ask Cam now, when we go off stage, like we'll come off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's really funny as well? There's times when, you know, like you said, money's always low. We've shared rooms, man, for many, many years. And I have to fall asleep to wrestling podcasts. Oh, wow. <laughs> and you'd have to listen to it all. <laughs> I don't even know what that would sound like. But basically, it's just American guys going, yeah, so when Austin came down the room, you're like, I thought it was this. That's, and so now, Love obviously, we, we come off stage and, um, you know, we, we, we shake people's hands and, you know, it's great enjoying it. I do my little social media for the gram. And then I put my podcast on. And honestly, because I've trained myself so much now, what that podcast make, helps me inadvertently realise is that, cool, you're Rav. You're just Ravi, you're, you're doing the best job in the world. Um, you're, 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 you're enjoying it, you're earning a living from it. Um, and you just enjoy the moment. Don't, and it just kind of brings you, the anchor brings me down again. Sorry, I've rambled on quite a bit. I no, no, I think that's a really like helpful and inspirational story to anyone else who's listening. listening yeah, don't suffer like I did. <laughs> yeah, so find an anchor, that's the yeah. That's find the advice. It, but my, my, I mean, people have, um, because I'm quite open about my mental health and because um, I still suffer from anxiety and I think um, it's quite common for anybody within the music industry to be in a social environment without meaning to have anxiety attacks. Mm. For example, if you were to put me in a club that I have no real meaning there, i.e. I'm not booked, I'm not presenting, I'm not backstage with my friends, if you just put me in that club, I will have a panic attack. And that's just me not able to, I still don't know how to deal with it. So I just don't even put myself in that situation anymore. Um, and so that's, there's so many intricacies and so many like things you have to deal with, but it's, it's, again, it's just about winning every day, not winning overall. It's about battling and finding what makes you you. And yeah, it's the anchor. Finding the anchor, like Family Guy, another one. You put Family Guy on my phone and I will sit there and watch 20 minutes of Family Guy and all of a sudden, I'm okay again. There's no need for me to go and source that next high because I'm happy with the high I've just got. I've just enjoyed myself. I've just had the time of my life on stage. I don't need any more. Obviously, I'd love more, give me more, give me more, but that will come at a later date when I have another gig. But yeah, it's, yeah, that's, that's my story. Thank you for sharing that, okay. thank you. Um, Pete, can you tell us a little bit about Sound Minds, how that came about, um, can it help us? And how anxiety. Yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. What's so, it all about? Well, um, me and a friend called Pick Rawlings um, work quite a lot with, particularly with sort of um, entry level and developing emerging, emerging and young artists around Devon, particularly sort of in the songwriter sort of area, but various different kinds as well. We were interested in finding the right places, the right opportunities for these guys. Um, working with them, like we have things like Facebook groups and messaging groups that we share opportunities and stuff through. Um, we became aware of, of quite high levels of mental health issues to start with, like within that group. I mean, there were just 
a lot of those young, particularly the young people, were you know were really struggling with life and particularly with music as well. Actually, with if they weren't getting opportunities or if things weren't working out for them, and you know um, the same as as Joe said, really with this combination of pressures, if there's stuff going on inside their non-music life as well as within their music life, the two kind of smash together. And so Pick and Me had wanted to do something about mental health. And as it happened, um, Pick's day job is in healthcare, basically. So she works um, in Plymouth. And part of that is um, she works in an organisation that delivers some mental health first aid training. So we decided that we would basically run acoustic concerts, really nice acoustic concerts in places like churches and beautiful, stunning venues that work with that whole gentle, quiet, atmospheric music thing and uh, do that to raise money to put musicians on mental health first aid courses. So I think so far we've put uh, eight musicians on over the last couple of concerts as well as the other thing we do is basically raise a profile for them we work really hard with the press so we get in you know things like Devon Life, Exeter Life quite big regional magazines that also take them outside of just music and it's kind of you know into a wider public sort of forum um, we work with um, photographers and filmmakers as well so who are who are emerging and working on their careers and I think that's an important part of it in that we try to get really good content that can then help those emerging acts get their own opportunities because if you've got really nice live content that shows you in your best light in a lovely environment and looks great and sounds great, um, then they can use that on their show reel and so on. So, yeah, so that's what we're about. Nice. Yeah. Even just hearing you describe those acoustic events makes me feel very calm and zen. Yeah. So I'm going to come to one of those, please. Yeah. Um, Danny, hello. hello. We haven't heard from you yet. <laughs> Throwing the ball over to you now. Um, do you think that we are in the process nowadays of putting safeguarding in for musicians? I mean, obviously you're in music management. Um, do you think we still have a long way to go there in putting safeguarding in there? Or do you think we're on the right track? I think it's really part of a wider cultural discourse and a shift towards like a heightened awareness of mental health in general, you know? It's like... Um, the amazing word of Joe and how Musicians UK are doing for a start is going to help the people who are already aware of their own like mental health. How can I put this? I think there's an awareness that not only is it okay not to be okay, but you're also able to see what's not okay about how you're feeling, if that makes sense. So whereby before a musician may well have, I don't know, just felt that maybe being stressed or being under pressure or feeling a certain way, maybe perhaps part of the course with the industry they're in or the work they're doing at the time, now there's more of an understanding that okay this might be a problem this might be what the problem is and this might there might be something that we can do about this and i think as well a shift towards like i said you know people are starting to understand that there's more of a widespread issue around mental health than there perhaps was discussed or was admitted openly before and particularly with heightened education in schools and just um, it's okay to talk about it now you know like even i'm 23 so a ripe old age to discuss it i know but even going back four years I know some of my friends wouldn't have told me or anybody at all if they weren't feeling okay. But now they'll come to me and they'll say, I'm not okay, I'm feeling like this and feeling like that, and just get it out. And that's really important just in wider society in general, and it's happening in music as well, which can only be healthy. There's definitely been a shift, hasn't there? Yeah. In the last two years, maybe, I think. Like, when we, we were, like, doing it years ago, like, it, it's literally taboo. Like, you cannot be, you know 
like depressed. It's that whole man up. Yeah, it's, the man, yeah. it's that whole man up thing, which is just literally which ridiculous. Which we now say woman up, by the way. Uh, <laughs> just saying that. Yeah. You can just listen and say seven up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's literally ridiculous. Like, people can't, <laughs> can't be down. Like. Sorry, can we just overlook that awful dad joke there? We'll get it in the edit, it's fine. <laughs> you were saying, Cam. <laughs> yeah, like, people, you know, you, you physically get ill. And that, that I don't understand why people before, you know, couldn't accept that you also mentally get ill. Mm. Of course you're going to be up and down. Um, and especially when you've got the extra pressures of, like, the music industry that, you know, that I'm saying the music industry because we're in that. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot to take on. Um, so how does it make you guys feel when you hear the devastating stories of big musicians like Avicii, like... Amy Winehouse, who really do just reach breaking point. Um, and a lot of the time, it, you know, people say it's to do with that, that grueling schedule and you know, all of those pressures of being an artist. How does it make you guys feel as musicians and DJs? It's, it's a shame, obviously. Um, you know, when you have like, talented people that are put under so much pressure that it literally causes them to end their life. It's, it's, it's crazy. Nothing in the world should make you do that. Um, but I mean, I, I understand it. Like, you know, I get pressures like that, but just on a, a, such a small scale. Obviously, I'm I'm nowhere near his level. But if I was, um, and you know, I was under these same pressures, I I, I get it. It's it's really like, it can be really a, a big weight on you. That that does take its toll after time. Um, but in his particular case, I, I feel. He was he was definitely pushed too far in his management. He was let down. Yeah, he's, the the people around him let him down. They they pushed too much. They they should have. So can we say like this is the hard thing because it's like you don't want to lose out on opportunities mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you want to do the best that you can in your career. So is it okay to say to turn down tours and to turn down gigs? You know, maybe not to the level of Vici, but just to say no to things now it's, it's, and and management maybe they need to do, understand but that. The problem is is that there's not it's not just the the health factor. There's a financial factor. Yeah. Which, you know, people are money hungry. They, they, especially in the music industry, you, you sometimes it's literally you don't know when your next paycheck's coming. So everyone's kind of, they want to make as much money as they can, when they can, and ride that wave. And they feel like if we sort of let it stop, we might lose out on everything. And, you know, long term, nobody's going to be making money. So that's why they kind of keep pushing it as far as they can. But, you know, the, what is the point of having all this money if you... You're literally you're not alive. Yeah, on. yeah, this it's crazy. Like we, we shouldn't be pushing that hard, is is what I feel anyway. Mm. Danny, how do you feel about that? Obviously in music management, I mean, do you have any Yeah, I feel like perhaps I've just been very fortunate with the people I've encountered and worked with, but I feel like the role and the duty of any manager or any good manager is to look after your client first and foremost. The human beings at the end of the day in a very tricky industry to navigate at the best of times. And as someone who's there to be not only the business side of it, but occasionally if the artist wants it or requires it sometimes, the guiding hand or just the person to lean on sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I feel no matter how difficult the conversation may be to have with a label or a promoter or whoever it is that you'll need to, say, to have the conversation with, if the artist says to you, I'm burning out, I've had enough, or even just doesn't, you know, you just they just say, I don't want to do this. It's not good for me to do this right now. You go back and you have that conversation and that's the way it should be. You look after right. them. 
So it's just having good I mean, management that will listen. That, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's what just blows my mind about these massive artists. It's like, do, you think as, uh, do you think, going back to what you just said, like an artist coming to you saying, I don't want to do this. As an artist, I can tell you now, I would never tell my manager I don't want to do that. I Why? Never. Because it's what I'm meant to be doing, regardless of but how if you I'm... If you feel like you're on the edge, would you say it? No. Really? I like I, I, now. I say well, it, now I'm like, I would. Now I would. But I'm talking about the younger me who was struggling. Right. Yeah. Never, yeah. ever would I tell anybody like I can't do that. Why? I just don't feel up for it. Well, man up, go and do it. So I would it's never. Not about I would never. Management. Then it's, a, it's sometimes about the artist. Well, yeah, and, and yeah. maybe someone else will go and do it, and who and that someone else might be better than me. Mm. And I'm out of a job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just, from my point of view, going back to when I was like in in very 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 dark place. I just, I, I would never ever say, tell my manager, I don't want to do that because of the insecurities, man. Like everything riddles and the insecurities and um, the unknown of like exactly what, what Cam said as well. Like you're in it, you need to make as much money as possible because you're not in this forever. You've got a shelf life. Um, well, argue, 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 you can argue you don't, but um, there's pressures like I, you've got to go and do it because what if I say no, I don't want to do this and his opinion changes of me. And I, what if I say no to a gig and that gig, I see that on Instagram and that gig's sick. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm. that's that's what I, how I would have thought back then. Mm. So Joe, what do you feel like are the best ways for musicians to seek help at the moment other than, than Help Musicians UK? Are there any initiatives and schemes out there is it easy for musicians to seek help? Well, I should, because I realised I didn't actually mention much about Music Minds Matter, so this isn't a promotional thing because it costs us money every time people use it, but it's great that they do. <laughs> um, but Music Minds Matter is there for anyone working in music and you can call it, and it's a, it's a listening ear service, so first and foremost, and actually most people call it just to talk about something that they might be finding challenging. They don't, there is, there is a, an element of it which is a second phase, which is therapy, and, it's, uh, and there, there's a range of therapies available face-to-face, -face, online, uh, telephone counselling, but those services are, uh, the majority of people don't use those services because they don't need them. They just need to talk to someone about something they might have experienced that was difficult, or they just need to talk to someone about something that, that that's, that's um, that, that at that point in time is proving challenging. Um, but the thing I, I would say that I've, that I've observed since, since we launched the line the thing that's been really heartening is how much so I mean music manager the, the MMF and a lot of the kind of the collectives of people working in in, 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 the, in the industry uh, are there's there's a, there's a huge amount of kind of empathy and compassion and also there's a huge amount of um, acknowledgement that this isn't something that just exists within musicians and creatives it's happening within this industry and it's happening within other industries to to everyone and everyone's impacted by it um, and I think that that was something that was lacking before um, and the kind of tumult of the industry changing a lot over the last 20 years has obviously ha changed the relationships that people have who work in music you know they don't have there isn't a the A&R isn't what it used to be it's very different people's engagement with record companies is very different now all these things have changed and I think um, there was never it was never a particularly responsible industry you just have to look at stories going back to the 50s and 60s to see that but what but but what did change was the there the wasn't when you talk about the industry now, you're talking about something that's that's so splintered, and there are real positives to that because I think the personal relationships people can have and build, and the way that they can engage with fans is really positive. But the flip side, there is the, the, there was no core, there was no core that was that was 
there to support people. And I'm not suggesting that that was historically the case, but, the, but there certainly was a structure in place that there isn't so much now. And, that, and, and that's all starting to change and starting to kind of become more balanced, I feel. And I, I'm not suggesting that it's not still really difficult for people, but I, I, what I observe are, um, when I go and talk at the Music Managers Forum uh, at the YouTube space, uh, you know, every every manager who's who's every MMF manager is there to listen to listen and and to try and understand some of the challenges that they probably have experienced with their artists around uh, mental health issues and around kind of health issues in general. Um, and that's just that's just one example. You know, I think that there is a real collective want to change this, but it's going to take time. I think. And and the, the the thing that I that I mean, maybe I should have saved this for the end because it might sound better at the end. But the thing that I that I, that I, I know I, I know I really try and get people to think about is how important music is to everyone, but how important music is to musicians, and how there's a reason why people continue doing this, right? There's a reason why you continue doing it. It's not, yeah, it, it, it's it, people don't do this for commercial gain, and they don't do it for they do it because they love it, and they do, and they do it because it feels so much better than any other job i mean if you think about your life uh, if you're a musician and you think about your life the 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 music is never the problem usually unless you have a bad period where things are difficult or you've got a you know writer's block or something but the music is never the problem it's the it's the stuff around it that needs managing we could again we could talk about this all day long couldn't we i think we're gonna have to round it up there but i, I want to end it on a high um, so why don't we all, let's go down the line and say one thing that we would advise other people to do if they're struggling. Something that really helps you. Um, I'm going to advise them to use the helpline, actually. Yeah, no, and no, purely it. because I wanted to say it's also 24-7, which I think is amazing. You know, it's an amazing resource because when people need help, they need it then. They don't need it yesterday or tomorrow or a week later. Okay, thank you. Um, be be a friend like talk to each other be like build collectives like be there for each other because in spite of everything else that's challenging in society the the way that we can best support each other is by being collectives is by being together and being and and you know and where, where i see that working it's amazing you know an organization like music support who run these kind of peer-to-peer -peer services it's astonishing people really want to engage with it and want to talk to each other from different genres from different backgrounds it's, it's incredible so i would say that um, I would say get it out somehow even if you don't feel comfortable talking to someone just yet really if you're not really sure how you're feeling just I don't know write it down draw it I don't know, splatter some paint at a wall yeah. do something Getting to get these feelings out of you get a guitar <laughs> yeah. and just play a racket turn it up and just express it out of you and I don't know why but it's always somewhat cathartic for me um, I personally would always go to the um, the the simple thing is that whatever you you think you're going through, someone's already been through it in a very similar way, and you're not alone. So, like you said, call the helpline. There's Samaritans, and they're amazing. They are incredible. There's counselors that your GP can give you, and what they will do, they won't cure you. But imagine this is the best advice to me that really got me thinking about my mental health. Imagine your brain as a filing cabinet. And imagine depression, someone dropping a bomb in that filing cabinet, and you're just there with papers everywhere. There's no way of organizing your thoughts. What, what these people can do is they can start piecing these papers back together for you until your mind is in a state that you can actually start controlling what you want to do. And the, you can't do that unless you talk to people who know what they're doing. That's my voice. Mm. Um, I'd say that, you know, I've been in the music industry a few years, 
quite a few years. And now I'm in a place where I'm very comfortable with what the music industry is and myself because of it. So if you feel stressed, upset, it's, it's getting to you, it's okay to feel like that. And once you accept that, actually, it's all right, I can feel like that, you can then sit back and address what it might be that's actually causing these problems. And then you can go on to like cure them, not cure them as such, but deal with them and manage them in a way that doesn't get on top of you. So yeah, what I would say is accept that it's okay to not be okay. Mm. Yeah, all of those things. And also um, <laughs> a tool that I like to do is, I've just started doing it, is writing gratitude lists, which people used to always advise to me and I'd be like, come on. Why do I need to do that? I did not understand the point. But the point is, and this is what I'm realising now, is every day focusing on the positives yeah. of your life. Because if you're suffering from anxiety or depression or any sort of mental health issue, um, it, a lot of the time is all about the negatives. That's all there is. So, yeah, just reminding yourself every single day and getting into the habit so that your brain naturally is like the grooves are going in the sort of positive way, not the, the negative at the back of your head. Um, I've just started doing it and I'm noticing a big difference. Um, I think we have maybe one or two questions from the audience. Hello there. Obviously mental health is like a widespread problem across young people. But in the music industry, it seemed to me that there was a period of large manufactured pop stars that gave birth to the music industry sort of opening up about mental health issues. And do you think that sort of period in the music industry gave almost like a example of how musicians need to be to make it? So like, obviously there's like Stormzy who, who most famously recently had m mental health issues and stuff, but all of these musicians and being quite close to a lot of them, they see that they're not climbing quick enough. And, and do you think that maybe our ambitions as young people have grown to a point which can't be actually achieved within the music industry? You know, yeah, from our community and with it, you know, and that's, it's, that's a, very much a sort of a singer-songwritery type area. I think definitely, that's definitely something we've seen and people will look at stuff their peers are doing and they will say, why aren't I doing that? How do I get there? but also they want to get there as fast as they can. And actually that, that doesn't, I don't know, correct me, but that doesn't really happen in the music industry. And that's that ex expectation alone, I don't know. I think it is a challenge with particularly the young folks, the generation moving into music now. I think that's, that seems to be so more of an issue than ever. With the famous millennials um, today and what their seeing on social media is that here's a guy who went from here to here like that and they don't know the story of the individual they don't know the background they don't know the work that went on behind him how much work he's done how much work his team they don't know any of that they just see there there i get messages um on on social media from budding djs and the question is never how do I start? How do I get involved? How? The question is, I want to be a headline DJ. How do I do it? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. You're asking the wrong person, man. <laughs> but that, that question comes to me a lot. And it's not, it's ne I've never been asked, I want to 
start DJing. What do I do? It's always, I want to headline ultra. How do I do it? And I haven't even done that yet. What are you asking me for? You know? But I just think that there's an expectation with kids uh, and young people because... It's definitely the younger generation. It's definitely... It? Because, I mean, like, look at... The, I mean, I, I'd class myself as a mid... Mid, mid to young, you know? That's optimistic. I don't dye my hair, guys. I'm still young. Um, now, but I was brought up in the era where instant gratification didn't exist. You waited and you were, wait, you were, you were rewarded with your patience. Um, my father was like really heavily involved with music. It wasn't in the industry, but he knew about music and the whole process of doing step by step by step by step. It was just, you know, that's how I was brought up, but that doesn't exist anymore. And I think you guys know this more, more. You're watching it, you've seen it from how it was to how it is now. It's completely different. That whole thing about you, you need to work hard and you pay your dues and maybe, there's no guarantee, maybe you'll make it. And if you don't make it, well, sorry, chap. See you later. You know, but that, that they don't understand that anymore because they just see this Martin Garrix release animals, and all of a sudden he is headlining everywhere. He didn't just do that, you know. And, they, and that's just I was just going to say uh, from from my perspective that the most happy, the happiest, and most content people I've met in music, and um, I'm not bragging and saying oh, I've met lots of really famous musicians, but I've met some really successful musicians, and the, I think, the, and I think. The, <laughs> Drop some names, come on. I think the most happy and content people that I've ever met aren't necessarily the most successful people as in success, fame. They're the people who've, who've, who've built themselves um, uh, like a career that they feel happy with and, th and they're content with, but also that feel the, the real value of the music that they're producing. And, and there are really good, there are loads of examples in so many different areas of music of, of that. Um, uh, and uh, just, a, just a slightly political point, I think one of the major problems in the music industry is this idea of success, which I know I mentioned, but it shouldn't be about success. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. It's, it's also about kind of, if, if you're doing what you want to be doing and if you're fortunate enough to be able to do that in the way in the way that you want to do it then you will be more happy and more you know more content I guess the, the challenge is not everyone does have the ability to do that but it's you know and and, and um, with a lot of original music kind of locally um, certainly there's a massive appetite for sort of lots of covers bands and that sort of thing so a lot of the working musicians will be doing covers to make money and then when they get a chance they'll do their originals and stuff which is, isn't for me but some people manage it okay but you know it's 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 an interesting kind of line really. Mm. I think there's a really great quote that we can end this on and that is success won't find you happiness, but happiness will find you success, right? Yep, definitely. I think we'll end that there. Um, thank you so much. This panel has been amazing. Thank you for being so honest. Thanks for coming. Thanks to MTV. Yay! <laughs> thank you for listening to this MTV Breaks podcast. Let us know what career advice you liked best or what you'd like to hear more of using the hashtag MTV Breaks podcast. To catch up on some of the action from Plymouth Music Week, search on social using the hashtag MTV Music Week. Catch you soon.